My biggest fear would be when the first comes and I don't get the rent. I found that my tenant had dumped concrete down my toilet. Can you believe Fair Housing fined me $5,000 for that? How do you onboard your tenants? What do you do? I don't even know if I do it right. If you're a landlord, don't just rent, rent perfect. The Rent Perfect Podcast with property expert and private investigator, David Pickron. Well, welcome to another podcast. My name is David Pickern, and I'll be your host today. We've got Denny Dobbins back. Uh, Denny is our vice president of legal counsel here at Rent Perfect. You know, all day long, I think you just kind of study city by city, county by county, state by state, and we're just trying to figure out what the heck is everybody doing out there, right? Today, I want to focus on Seattle. And Denny, you kind of went off and talked to some associations and some attorneys. We've kind of looked at some stats. And and the city that I once loved, I love to go vacation there. I love to walk around downtown Seattle. Beautiful place. My jump off to Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) Denny, what's going on in Seattle nowadays? Well, last year they passed a rule in Seattle, an ordinance, that says you can no longer, as a landlord, perform a criminal background check. Period. Period. Done. There's currently a lawsuit in Superior Court there in Washington by a couple of landlords and the main Washington Association. So it's uh, for the constitutionality of the ordinance. So we'll see what happens down the road. But currently, they're experiencing some problems. But that'd be a heck of a precedence or all of these other places around the country that are trying to do the same, you know, regulation. Yeah, it's kind of like the whole idea with criminal background investigations, which are called, you know, when someone wants one, they generally go to a CRA, uh, a credit reporting, reporting agency. agency. Right. Yeah. And there are certain rules in place for what CRAs can and cannot do, what they can report how long back they can go. And as you know, in, in California, they kind of came up with the whole idea of, you know, they wrote the first set of rules. And then the federal government kind of took their set and made the government set, the federal government set. the federal side, yes. And then any other states that made rules after the government took over the housing area. The federal government, right. They're, they're called preempted. They, right. they don't have any bearing on anything because the federal government decided this is what we're going to have. But, for instance, California is still in play because they did it before. Kind of grandfathered government. in. Grandfathered in. And so in Seattle and some of these other cities like Kansas City and Minneapolis, what we have happening is that now cities have come in and said, well, we're going to create a situation in housing the way we want to do it, although HUD has already created it. So there's going to be some give and take and some legal arguments going back and forth to say, well, is there a preemption based on the federal government over a city or over a state? And I think that's what's going to happen in Seattle. I sure hope so. Yeah. But for now, what has happened is that in the city, you can't do a background at all. And so, okay. Now, when we say a background, we're talking about a criminal background check. A criminal background check. You can check. still do credit. 
Can still do credit. Can still call the past landlord. Yes. The second last landlord, because they're the ones that's going to tell you the truth. Correct. Right? Or grandma. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the employer. Yes. And we can do our rent income ratios. We can do all of that in the city of Seattle. We just can't run a criminal background check. Right. And so how do you deal with, as a landlord, how do you deal with this issue that you don't know whether this person you're about to give control over an asset worth anywhere from twenty, forty, hundred and fifty, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars without knowing whether they're gonna be a detriment on your property, without knowing whether they're gonna put someone at risk, some person at risk of harm or, or your property at risk of harm. You because that's typically kind of what we look at to determine, okay, what's the risk of possibility of risk of harm? The other thing we look at are the financial elements and that shows us more about the responsibility of someone to take care of their financial obligations. Criminal has always been something to take care of or to protect us from negligence mm. so that a landlord doesn't rent to somebody who's going to do harm to somebody else, either in the community or to their property. So from all of my discussions with associations and other people in the Seattle area, here's what I've learned is that there is a, very negative, unintended, hopefully unintended, consequence to have this ordinance. Because here's what's happened. On the practical side, how you have to battle this ordinance is on the financial side. And we've had some discussions about this, and that is you have to up your credit score because criminals typically don't have much of any credit score, if at all. But if your credit score, you know, is higher, then the possibility of having a criminal in that pool is lower. And so just from a financial standpoint, you kind of weed out the criminal element. But what happens with that and what has happened in Seattle is that, yeah, your A and B properties are safe. Because criminals... They're, they're qualifying with high credit scores. They're qualifying with debt-to-income ratios with your A and B properties. But your C and Ds, and those people are the ones that are... The next step is homelessness. Right. This ain't helping them. It's, here's why it's not helping them. What they're experiencing in Seattle is the, the C and D properties. Two things are happening. The single-family residences that are rentals are now becoming primary residents for the owners. So they're moving into that property. So there's no one renting that property anymore. So the people who would have been renting it are now gone. They've either been displaced out to the suburbs or they're homeless, one or the other. The next thing that's happening is that some of those DNC properties are now being scraped. Okay. Because the owners don't want to play this game anymore. You're not going to let us do criminal history, but that's the only one way we could protect our properties. So we're selling it and going to go invest our money in the suburbs outside of Seattle. Either selling it and going investing or scraping it and building a new, nicer AB property. Where they can up the credit score. Up, up the credit score, get better tenants. And what happens to all the people that were in those C&D properties? They've either... They, they've either mingled into the streets and they're homeless or they've been displaced somewhere. 
And what they're finding is that the very problem that they were trying to solve on the landlord's backs to provide housing for people with criminal histories is getting worse. They're just hanging around. They're, they're homeless. And so there's no place for them to go. And, you know, we've been in this business a long time. Um, I've been in it since 1980. That's a long time. Well, you're old, Denny. Jeez. Well, you've been in since 1990. No, so. no, no. Probably since like um, 2019. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 2019. Um, it's been a while and it's been a lot of fun. And we didn't, we weren't talking about this in the 80s. We weren't talking about this in the 90s. Yeah. But here we go, 2020. And there's some crazy stuff going on. Well, you know, in the, in the early 90s, when we started the Crime Free Association and, and did the Crime Free Addendum for the private sector, what we were doing in cities is we were writing statutes, ordinances uh, to help with the crime element so that criminals couldn't get into certain places based on their criminal history to protect people. Right. And then over the last 20 years, 30 years, it's switched. Now we're writing, you know, people are writing these ordinances to protect the criminal element Right. As opposed to protecting those people who've never had anything to do with crime. Under the guise that we have to take care of people getting out of prison because the main thing for them to be successful is to have a good place to live and a good job, which is absolutely true. But what they've done is they've put that burden on the backs of the landlords, thinking that that's going to fix it. And the way it's worked, it's had the opposite effect. And so now... It's even worse for criminals because, you know, you talk about slumlords, and we've had discussions about slumlords forever. You know, I never um, had anything to do with slumlords. And, you know, when I was a practicing attorney and, and doing the evictions and, and handling discrimination cases, I remember there was one property that uh, it was just terrible, and, and, and they were trying to get it fixed. And what happened is it wound up being abated because they couldn't afford to fix it. That was my one experience with a slumlord, quote, client. But the problem is, is when you take out these lower-end C&D properties that we typically look at, especially D's, as slumlords because they don't take as good a pro uh, care of them. Because we're trying to protect the people. They deserve a better place to live. We, Correct. Right? They deserve to live in a place like you and I would live in a place. Right. They well, deserve they, a community pool and a jacuzzi. Well, they do deserve and, right? heat, and they do deserve water and they do deserve what right. the basics of any place to live right and sometimes slumlords you know don't stay up on that stuff right and people are hurt from it but now because of this new development in allowing criminals to be in there and now the risk to landlords of those criminals hurting someone else or hurting property they just say okay i'm not playing this game anymore i'm done sell the property scrape the property whatever where are all those people going? They're either going on the street. Where there's no running water. Exactly. There's and nothing. there's no heat. Correct. Right. We really did them a service. Right. That's the problem. That's the unintended, unintended consequences right. of this particular ordinance. And what we're finding out across the country is, it's, is the same thing. Right. Other, other cities have not been as draconian as Seattle. Most cities are saying, okay, only seven years, only three years, only... X amount of years, but not none. Zero. You know, Denny, I've, I've kind of been the part of my life where my kids are a little older. They're in college. 
I've got one left at home. Um, but if I'm a young parent and I have a two or three or four year old and I need to live in an apartment close to my job in Seattle, you know how petrified I am to live in an apartment community knowing that the people living next door to me have never been checked for anything. I mean, I'm getting ring doorbell. I'm locking, I'm having, you know, those old movies where they were locked like seven deadbolts, you know, on their door. I'm kind of living in fear and I really don't want to live like that. And so I think we talk about, we used to protect the good people, the, the responsible people. And when I say good people, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, that because you have a criminal history, you're not a good person. And you're I'm talking not, about people without I, criminal histories. I'm, That's I'm, all. I'm just saying people that are just trying to get ahead and just trying to do this and trying to keep their family safe, you know. And you've it's totally switched to now, you know, trying. I, I understand helping the guy who served his time, who made a mistake. I get that. But re- when recidivism rates are almost 70% of these guys go back to prison within three years, I don't want those around my three-year-old, my four-year-old, or my wife. I'm sorry. Maybe people listening might say, Dave, boy, you, you're really cold on that whole deal. But my whole job as the father and the provider of the family is to protect my family. And, and I'm going to protect my family. And I think Seattle does not realize they're not protecting people. They're really not protecting their residents. I don't know what the real motives are for Seattle City Council. Who knows? But how it's working is they may not have to worry about it anymore. Maybe it was the displacement thing because that's what it's becoming. I don't know if that's what they thought would happen. I don't know how far they thought this thing out. But, you know. So are you saying that you're either an owner in the city of Seattle or you're a renter out in the suburbs? Is that kind of what you're saying where they're going? Well, for the C and D type properties. Now, the A and B properties, you know, that works out fine because you can raise the, the, the credit scores and you right. can keep out the... And raise the rents. And, and, raise, and raise the rents. Yep. You know, right. recently uh, released criminals aren't going to have the kind of credit that it takes to get into an A or B property. Now, the city could, I guess, come after that element and say you can no longer run a credit report uh, for financial analysis. I don't think they'll do that because the consequences of that would be dramatic. Right. So what happens is the people with criminal histories get caught in the middle where they were anyway. They're always, you know, the bottom line, it's not a landlord's fault. It's not the landlord's fault that someone committed a crime. They didn't make the decision. They didn't make that decision. So why does it have to be their responsibility to fix this issue? I don't have the answers. I don't know if anybody has the answers. Apparently they don't. But criminals need a place. They need a safe place too. They need a place where there are not other criminals because one of the things we know about recidivism is that if you go back with your old buddies, you wind up doing the same things again. Right. So that's a that's a terrible position that someone with a criminal history has to deal with. And not all of them are repeat offenders, but once they get out the statistics show that they have a high probability of becoming a repeat offender. So, Denny, I used to love to take these weekend trips with my wife. We used to go to Seattle, Portland, San Francisco. Kind of, we just love to go to kind of that West Coast. Have you been there lately? I have been to Seattle. 
I can't tell you what I saw when I went to Seattle early in the morning on the streets. It was, uh, I'll tell you this, my wife is a pretty sheltered person, and what she saw. Um, She's it, never it, going back. Oh, no. No. Yeah. She would never, ever go back to Seattle. And it's sad. Seattle's a beautiful city. But what I saw and what she saw driving the streets in the early morning, we were looking for actually a UPS store to drop something off before we boarded a ship. And, of course, everybody goes there, boards a ship, wants to spend some time in Seattle, you know, either before they go or after they come back. And my wife was, I I cannot tell you the shock of what she went through and what she saw on the streets. And if that's what Seattle is trying to fix. No, I think that's what Seattle's causing with those C&D properties because I don't think people are moving out of Seattle and going to the suburbs to C&D properties. I think they're staying. Well, that happens on the coast. I mean, where do people want to go? Especially if, you know, you don't have any money, you want to, you want a place with a kind of a nicer temperature, pretty place, you know. And a lot of tourists, yeah. a lot of money, a lot Panhand- of begging, yeah. a lot of panhandling, right? Yeah, and it's a, it is a very difficult social issue, but I don't think it's fair to put it on the backs of the landlords. And I think you'd have many people that say it's, it's not even an affordable housing issue. A lot of people tell you it's a mental health issue. I think it's a little of both. I think some people can't afford where they need to live, and I think others... They wouldn't want to live in a house, even if you gave it to them for free. They just don't. They just want to be on the streets. And, and I think, you know, a lot of the criminals that we, we have are, are actually mentally ill people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it goes both ways. And it's, it's a very difficult social issue that we've, we have not figured out how to address. And that's really what our, you know, elected officials are supposed to be doing is figuring out how to address these difficult issues but you can't just dump stuff on a group like landlords or or business owners or some other pocket. You you got to take a different approach, and this approach is is turning into a nightmare in Seattle. It's only going to get worse. In your opinion, will this ever be fixed by landlords? No, landlords just have to play the game. They're required under federal law to play the game. It will never be fixed by landlords. So yeah. why are we doing this? Uh, maybe it's because it's just easy. And and when you get enough, uh, you know, tenant advocacy and people buy off on, oh, this is the landlord's fault. You know, this is the landlord's fault, not letting people with criminal histories into their property. Well, you think they're going to stay in that business? You think they're going to stay in that city? No, they go somewhere else. Why would they, your landlord, why would you keep your money invested in that city when it's way easier to do business somewhere else? You're, you're leaving. Right. Now, the one, the one thing that I think that's different about Seattle than, say, a Cook County up where Chicago is or, or the FCRA in California is Seattle is, I mean, it's a decent-sized city, but it has suburbs. Who, who better, you know, to get the advantage of Seattle's policies than all of these suburbs around Seattle that don't have those same policies. I am sure apartments are getting built all around Seattle, just not within the city limits. And when people live outside of Seattle, they spend their money outside of Seattle. And I am sure Seattle now is going to lose tax revenue because of the restaurants and the entertainment and everything where they're hanging out around the suburbs of Seattle. I just I just don't see how this helps Seattle at all. It would be interesting to see if, 
anyone is, you know, kind of keeping track of that and monitoring what's actually happening in the suburbs and what's happening in the city, um, because that's probably what it's going to take for them to, for the city to relax their ordinance. Well, I'm begging for the city council of Seattle, the mayor, whoever, find it, find the solution. It's a beautiful city. It's a great place to be, but it is slowly going downhill. Maybe it's quickly going downhill. And if I'm investing my money, and I always talk about where I invest my money, I'm not investing it in Seattle right now. That is not where I'm going. There's too many other great places to go to invest your money. Seattle needs to be seeking our money. Landlords provide housing. We're needed. We're not the enemy. We don't need to solve the issue. We provide a great product where we house people in, in nice houses so they can get on with their life and raise their kids. I think we're the heroes, and yet we're treated like we're the problem. And that's what bugs me about this whole Seattle ordinance is them telling us what we can and can't do with our property. Well, there's going to be one or two things I think that happens in Seattle. You know, as soon as something like this takes place where you hear you can't do a criminal background, criminals then are going to flock to a place where no one's going to check on them. And then they're going to get there and find out there's no housing available <laughs> because no one's going to rent to them because right. they don't have any credit. Right. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very interesting to watch what happens. I feel for Seattle. I'm sure that the city council members are not stupid people. You know, they might have bought off on some statistics or some type of uh, information that was given to them by tenant organizations thinking this would solve the problem, but it's not solving the problem. Well, maybe if you follow your heart of helping people, it sounds like a good way to go. If you logically play it out in my head, and I'm not even, you know, uh, I don't have any rental property in Seattle, I could tell you where it's going to go pretty dang easy. And I'm not the brightest guy in this country. Well, you've got quite a few rentals, so you kind of know from a practical point of view what's going to happen. What do I you do. see? I do. Well, I'm just hoping they fix it because if they don't, it's... Seattle will not be the Seattle that I remember. Well, you know? we'll see. See what we'll happens. See. Hey, Danny, thank you so much. We appreciate that. Listen, for those of our clients that are in Seattle, we love you. We love where you live. We're pulling for you. But there's some serious, there's some serious things that need to happen, and they're not easy. And I don't have the answers for them. I wish I could tell you on this podcast you do this, 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 and this. This is a tough, tough, tough position to be in. Um, but I'm more or less teaching you where to put your money. Don't put your money in Seattle right now. Put it around the suburbs. I think you'll do very well. Denny, thanks again for all you have to offer on this topic. Appreciate it. You bet. And until next time, rent perfect.